This interview is happening at an interesting time. I quit my job a month ago. I got two cohorts into my online course and I met my goals. They're small goals, you know, just just small, but I met my goals both times. So to me that said, okay, this this could actually work. Welcome to another episode of Academics Mean Business. Today we have Dr. Echo Rivera on with us, who what a fascinating conversation. She it was actually her first podcast ever, which you guys will not even be able to tell. She was amazing. We had a great conversation. We talked about how she felt a little lost as an undergrad, um, was exploring a couple things, had her feet in kind of two separate feeling uh um, what's it called? Like disciplines, right? So one in graphic design and, and all things tech um, and other in psychology. And so when she decided to get a PhD and realized that she might want to be a, a therapist, she actually encountered a very unsupportive faculty member early on in her career um, and but was able to really just blow it out of the water through the rest of the program despite <laughs> what this person thought or the vendetta that person had out to get her. Um, but the key to that was finding mentors all along that journey. So Echo is going to share that path for her, what you know, what she was going through as a PhD student, but then also now um, her journey outside of the academy. She basically realized in her PhD program that she didn't enjoy teaching, which is rare for my guests. Now, of course, we find out that she really does enjoy teaching, but she doesn't enjoy university students. Um, who basically feel like they're required to be in your class. And so I can totally relate the grading, um, you know, the apathy and all that fun stuff that we deal with as educators. So Echo's a fantastic teacher and uh, currently actually has one of her income streams as a course that she teaches on, on creating amazing presentations. Uh, and her target market is... Uh, nonprofits and other people presenting research. So her background in, um, you know, the research area and how to communicate infographics and really that science communication piece. So I love what she does. I love her work in the world. I'm so excited for her that she took the plunge to go full time, which uh, exactly a month ago um, from the time of recording this. So it's just was such an honor to have her on the show. And I'm so glad our paths have crossed. And I do not, <laughs> I do not think this is going to be the end of our relationship. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Dr. Echo Rivera. Yay! I'm so excited that we have Dr. Echo Rivera on with us today. Yay. I I get so excited because Echo is someone that I didn't know prior to me starting this <laughs> podcast, <laughs> um, where I'm literally just co coming off an interview with one of the first academics I met online in business, and we've been together forever. So I'm now transitioning into an interview where I really get to learn uh, and hear your story um, about starting a business and being in the academy and all the fun juicy details that we tend to reveal in academics mean business. So Echo, <laughs> I'm so excited that you're here and I get to learn about you. I'm so excited too. This is my very first podcast interview ever. So I love it. Yay! And she's <laughs> killing it, everyone. She came prepared. She had her sound handled. So if you would like to invite her on your podcast, oh, uh, you well. should. <laughs> awesome. You. Well, Echo, let's jump into it. Let's hear a little bit about your 
your academic background? What did you study? What did you fall in love with? What did you teach? You know, all that fun, fun stuff. Yeah. So my academic background and journey, I, I guess I should admit first that like my whole journey has just been kind of a mess. Um, <laughs> Such like, is life, though. Yeah, like, I, I have not really known what I'm doing. It's mm. been like, I feel like I'm kind of in a fog, like walking backwards. Like sometimes I get lucky, <laughs> sometimes I fall over a rock, sometimes I don't even know how I got there. So, um, yeah, like I, so I have a PhD in community psychology. Yes. And a lot of people have absolutely no idea what that's yep. about. Um, we're kind of the weirdos of psychology. We mm. we tend to study how systems, how communities and culture impact individual level behavior and try yes, to figure out how we... It. Yeah, it's just... The sociologist in me is yes. like, well, you're doing sociology, but that's okay. That's such a battle, the like social psych, the community psych, the sociology, it all that. that covered. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, I did consider sociology for a while mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. of that that sort of perspective sure but um so that's where I ended up but that is not where I started at mm. all <laughs> yeah um let's see so I so I'm an undergrad um back in Chicago that's my hometown and I liked psychology and computers I, I sort of had this equal passion for psychology and for graphic design and programming. That's back when it was called programming. Oh, interesting. Not yeah, coding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I like I wanted to make databases, like access kind of databases um, for a while. But then, and I, I don't know, I was like really torn, but then it came time to actually declare a major and get serious. And I actually went with psychology because I had more credits in psychology and I would graduate a year sooner. So it was like... Total fair decision. I've yeah. done similar things. Yes. Yeah. I just, I had already transferred. So I was already going to take five years to graduate with my BA. I didn't want another one. So mm -hmm. I chose psychology, but always kept like one foot in graphic design and computers mm. kind of thing. And let's see, then in, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm in psychology. I had this idea in my head that I would be a therapist for children who were sexually abused. Mm. Um, you know, really deep, heavy stuff, right? And I realized, like what I didn't know when I thought that, when I thought I was going to be a therapist, like I didn't know that you can't do that with a bachelor's degree. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I had no idea. Like I thought I'd get my BA and then go off and do therapy. And reality hit me when my undergrad was having like a seminar series about how to get into grad school. And I went. Ah. And get this, Lindsay. I'm 20 years old. And that was the first time I ever learned that this thing called a PhD existed. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. 20 years old. I'm a first generation college student. So this was mm -hmm. kind of like a first moment for me where I realized I'm actually really behind. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I just did not understand higher education. I thought everybody who was doctor who had, you know, like a doctor in their title was an MD. That's mm -hmm, what I thought mm -hmm. doctors were. Mm -hmm. And I thought that the only thing after a bachelor's degree was law school. So I thought people were MDs or JDs, and that was it. That there were no masters, no PhDs, no PsyDs. 
So, yeah, I kind of had like the rug pulled under me. Like, mm-hmm. not only are there, there are these things called masters and doctoral degrees, but I needed one if I wanted to get certain jobs. Yeah, yeah. So, I had a similar. So, like, just to make you feel like that's not the craziest thing, yeah, I yeah. went and got a master's because I was teaching high school, and I was like, oh, a lot of you know, um, high school people like advance their in the pay scale, advance their careers by getting advanced degrees in education in some way. And I decided to go get a master's in sociology. Uh And I had no idea that people teaching at a community college only needed a master's. I like hadn't even considered that as a job. And then it was like, when I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, I can be in love with my subject and, you know, um, you, you know, teach in community college. Like I had no idea. And so that ended up, I was thinking I was getting a master's to do a cool program in sociology at a, like the high school level. So I, I hear you in this. And I think yeah. that speaks to like how bad, what's the word? Like, our public um, understanding of graduate school is. And that actually yeah. might be a, a way deeper issue. Like, I don't think you're the only <laughs> one that has had that moment where you're like, oh, yeah. Because I get asked that a lot. Like, what does a PhD mean? You know, are you allowed to call yourself doctor? And I was just like, why is this such a hard thing for people to understand? Huh. But it's because we do right. a bad job publicly, like, actually explaining what we do. It's it's definitely, like, for each other, right? Other academics, this idea. Anyway, so sorry for that yeah. little tangent. But I was like, I had that moment too. I don't remember when I learned (laughs) what a PhD was per se, but I do remember when I learned that a master's degree could get me in the community college system. And I'm like, I had never thought about that. (laughs) That makes me feel so so much better because (laughs) (laughs) I think think it's kind of normal. Like people don't really get grad school. I think, well, I think our generation, I don't know actually how old you are, but like this overeducated generation that like decided to keep going to school because they didn't know what else was, you know, that was what they were supposed to do and that kind of thing. I think Uh we're going to grow up and our our kids probably are totally going to know. But we do represent I think an interesting generation um, about grad school and like going into like the academy, like what that means. So I, I think yeah. so. And I'm a millennial, so that's my there we go. Okay, my, cool. my generation. You, if you don't I'm, mind sharing, <laughs> no, I don't mind at all. I am. Oh my god, I'm 32. <laughs> what month is this? <laughs> I'm almost 33. Right? I'll be 33 this year. So cool. I'm going to be 36 in June. Okay, okay, so cool. I'm, I'm with you. I'm like, wait, am I already 36? <laughs> Literally, I've been math one time. <laughs> time has just blurred together. Like, right. I don't Especially even know. after 30. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and like how, you know, looking back now, it's kind of funny how excessive it was. So mm. I'm a first generation college student who went yeah. all the way to a PhD. That's like it wasn't, amazing. <laughs> it wasn't bachelor's, then master's and PhD. It was just straight to PhD. Yep. Um, so, um, but yeah, so I find out that I have to go to grad school and I mm. also learned about other things that I needed to do to get into grad school because mm-hmm. then, of course I also learned it's like hard to get into it and competitive. <laughs> it's competitive. <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So um, then I just thought I, I just went into overdrive. So mm. uh, probably the last two and a half years, three years of my undergrad experience, I was working part-time. I was managing a small family business. Um, 
And I became an undergrad research assistant for something like five or six research projects. Wow. That's not a joke. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot. And I did, a a lot. <laughs> I did a senior honors thesis, like a research senior honors thesis. I did a human services internship and I volunteered at a domestic violence shelter. <laughs> like, totally obnoxious. Um, yeah. But I, you know, I was never like a lot of people, they're like kids and they're like, oh, I'm going to be a, you know, I'm going to be a vet when I grow up. And then they, you know, they start thinking about that in high school or even their first year of college. Like I was just doing stuff. Like I wasn't really caring about my future. I wasn't caring about my career until this moment. Oh, you millennial, you. <laughs> Clearly, <laughs> you know, so yeah. I kind of had some catching up to do. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I did all that and I tried social psychology, clinical psychology, mm -hmm. community psychology. I, I was Got just kind of trying anything I could get really. So yeah, that was, that was like two, the last two and a half years. And during that time I realized, oh, I'm actually not that great with kids. And mm. I don't think I could mentally handle focusing on childhood sexual abuse sure. for my career. That's yeah. going to yeah. destroy me. Mm -hmm. So, and then I also found out that clinical psych programs are really competitive. Mm. Like 250 people apply and three people get in. Yep. And yep. if you don't have like a perfect GRE score, you don't even get your application looked at kind of competitive. Wow. And I'm not good with competition. I've, mm -hmm. <laughs> I, so I decided that maybe, and, and I just didn't have like a really good GRE score. I had all that great research experience. I had good grades. I had my senior honors thesis, but my GRE score was not very, it was like, okay. It was mm. not impressive. Yeah. So there was that, but then also, yeah, that internship and volunteer experience, it like, it left a bad feeling with me. I, I didn't have the language for it. I didn't really know why, but there was just something I didn't like about it. So, um, like I said, a couple of the research projects I volunteered for were with community psychologists. And then I decided, well, then I might, one of my grad student mentors, uh, she was teaching an undergrad course in community psychology. So I took that course and it changed my life. It changed my uh. whole trajectory. Now mm -hmm. I had language for why I didn't like those internship and ah, volunteer experiences. Like the problems with it. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was mm -hmm. so victim blaming. It was so mm -hmm. individual level deficit thinking. You know, mm -hmm. we're working with teen moms, and my coworkers are just talking about how well they just need more education, and then they won't get pregnant. And I'm like. Well, why don't we talk about birth control access? Why don't we talk about these healthcare and these kinds of things? And I realized that okay, I don't, I don't, I don't belong in a career where the focus is trying to change individuals without Ooh. actively changing society, without Boom. changing. Thank That's you. That's why I like you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. Like we have to change our politics, like our political mm -hmm. system, our economic mm -hmm. system, if we want mm -hmm. people to lead happy, healthy lives. It's just, mm -hmm. yeah. So. Basically, I took that class and the research I had been doing, and it was just things were aligning, you know, the stars were aligning, everything was fitting in. I found my place, I found my people. I was just, I was thrilled. I was just 
so happy that I found where I finally fit in. You know, I'm 21 Mm. by now. I don't remember exactly. But, you know, so after 21 years, I finally find my people. Mm. So, yeah. And I learned that community psychology is not as competitive to get into for grad school. There you go. Yes. (laughs) There's a whole hierarchy. (laughs) Like (laughs) some knowledges are more valued in society. Yes. I could talk about that all day. But yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I applied and I got into my top choice and which was Michigan state university. They have an amazing community psychology program. Mm. And yeah, so I'm thrilled. I'm excited. I I still remember that call. My mom was there. I cried, you know, so much joy, so much happiness. I had no idea that 10 years later, I would actually regret this whole decision and be kind of angry about it later on. <laughs> mm. Lots of ups and downs, but sure. But at that time, I was thrilled. You know, I, I moved to Michigan and started my first semester. First semester of grad school. <laughs> mm. uh, it was terrible. I got the first F's in my life. Mm. I almost quit. I was told by a faculty person that I, these aren't their exact words. I don't remember the exact words, but basically the message was clear. You don't belong here. You don't Mm. belong in grad school. You should not be getting a PhD. (laughs) Right. I mean... People talk about imposter syndrome a lot. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> talk yep. about imposter syndrome fuel. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I was heartbroken. It, mm-hmm. it it still hurts. Like if I actually think about that meeting and mm-hmm. relive it, mm-hmm. it's one of the lowest moments in my life. Yeah. You know? And I had always been a good student. I had always yeah. gotten good grades. I didn't really know what was going on, you know. Later, I realized it was because an undergrad, I succeeded because I kept my mouth shut. I sat in the back, but I showed up. I took notes. I studied. Yeah. I memorized. Yeah. And I got good yep. grades. Regurgitate. Yep. I regurgitated. Totally. Yeah. I, yep. And I did it at least at my university. It's it's a small, it's DePaul University. So it's kind of small. So I also got good writing experience. So I was a pretty mm-hmm. good writer. But the critical thinking didn't really happen a lot. So mm. my old strategies didn't work. And after first semester, I almost quit. Like I really, mm. really almost quit. But um, someone in my cohort, she is so smart. She's so brilliant. Someone I looked up to immediately. She, we had a meeting after the semester was over and I told her like, I'm leaving, I'm going back home. Mm. And she was like, no, don't leave. And I, like, I couldn't believe that someone wanted me to stay. Like, I uh, like I couldn't believe it. And she basically convinced me to stay and kept me in that program. Mm. And then I kicked ass. Nice. <laughs> I kicked so much ass. I got, I, you know, realized what I was doing wrong. I fixed it. I got good grades. Mm. I was the project coordinator for two big projects. I coordinated a community program. I learned tons of stuff. I started unlearning and unpacking all my privileges. And I basically Mm -hmm. just became a smarter and better person uh, as a result of of grad school and that amazing program and my amazing mentors uh, that I was lucky to work with. So it was going really well. 
and I mostly mm-hmm. studied family court and com- the family court and community response to domestic violence. So mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't leave gender based violence altogether. Yeah, but I found that intimate partner violence was something I could I could handle more. Um, uh-huh. I, don't, I don't really know why, <laughs> mm. but um, you know, some people can do you know work on one and and the other. Yep. And for me, it was just I could just do this. So I still am very much into social justice research. Yeah, but it was exhausting. Grad school mm-hmm. was just, <laughs> and, and everybody in grad school knows this. Yep, yep. I, oh God, you know, I just. And and I were I was just working all the time. Yep. Yep. And my I had one of my mentors, she one of her first years as an assistant pr- professor was the same year I started in grad school. So mm-hmm. I watched what it was like to mm, to go yes. for tenure. Yep. And she was, I mean, she is so brilliant. She does so her research is just fantastic. And, you know, she wasn't complaining or anything, but I was paying attention and thinking, can I do that? Can I do what she's doing? Mm. And it didn't take... Do I want to do? Do I want to do what she's doing? Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Like, do I want that to be my life? And Mm. after a couple of years, I kind of thought, I don't know. I wasn't sure. I I started Mm. to doubt it. And then right around the time I got my master's, I was really torn because I loved the research part. I loved training and mentoring undergraduate research assistants. That was my favorite part of grad mm. school. I got yep. two pubs out of my master's. Like, nice. I was on a roll. That's huge, actually. That's yeah. huge to get yeah. two out of your master's. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and and it was like right after I got my master's. It was like, boom, boom, three, six months or something like that. So, yeah. Did I you mean, ever run into that other teacher's office and be like, ha-ha? <laughs> oh, God. I wish. <laughs> what was that relationship like? I, you know, that person. <laughs> uh, I have, like, a sad ending to that. Um, oh, okay. My, la- my, like, my, basically right when I was about to graduate, I did have, like, a meeting with her. She, mm-hmm. we have, like, these annual reviews, and she was in one of them, and she basically was like, you're still terrible. Like, you're still not good enough nice. for this world. <laughs> nice. Nice. So yeah, she yeah. Um very discouraging. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But everybody else, like my mentors and everybody else was like, Echo, you're you know, you're awesome. Like you're gonna mm-hmm. do great things and super supportive. So by that last meeting, I was sad a little bit, but yeah. I was like, I'm not you More know. sad for her. Like, so part of me, you're not like I had someone else I interviewed this week left academia because of that type of relationship uh-huh. of someone who was never going to um, approve or accept. Aww. And it, um, she was a faculty at this point. Oh. Right? Um, but but that prompted her exit. Right. Ugh. And she as a psychologist also, you know, I could only imagine you're always thinking about what they're going through. And it's just like she is sad. She is all these things. And she's like she you know, she'll tell her story in the in the interview. But like she basically that was her exit. She's like, I don't she went on leave of absence, came back. The woman, it was a, another female, which I think might even also, we could talk about like how the academy works and like gender mm. inequalities in the academy and how women have to show up in that space and mm-hmm. positions of leadership. We mm-hmm. could talk all about that, right? And like <laughs> yeah. understanding the structural things that put Ugh. people in that position, yeah. right? But, um, and so, yeah, so it, it, the academy, I think really um, can be a, uh, uh, what even is the word? Like a, 
um, gosh, I can't even think of the word. Like I was thinking of like birthing place, but it's not that, but like it basically creates those personalities and it's such, and it's because there's so much external validation that has to happen. And so much judgment on every, like in every class, in every paper, in every whatever, it's like, you're not good enough. And then in, in fact, you know, as she's probably on tenure, you know, committees and stuff and like, who are you to be able to judge someone's life work? Um, and like, and so that's, we put people in that position so often in the academy and then how damaging it is. Um, and usually the people that have to like are behaving in that way are usually dealing with their own inner shit. And so, you know, kudos to you for navigating that, finding people to support you, being able to shut her out or, (laughs) or whatever, or not. And just like putting up with it because it's so prevalent in this space. That's so sad. And it just yeah, it really, it really is. It really breaks my heart because mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I really did almost like I almost walked yeah. away entirely. Yeah. But if I didn't have my mentors and then other yeah. grad students who, you know, were also being mentored by the same people, I mean, yep. I loved that space. I loved mm-hmm. working with them. They were my friends and they mm-hmm. were my support group. And yeah, if I didn't have that, there's no way I would have stayed. No. Absolutely yeah. not. Absolutely not. And, and that's the thing is we almost, uh, you know, I've had a couple of people on talking about some, you know, terrible grad school experiences. Um, but yeah, it's just rampant with mental health issues oh, and yeah. and all of that. And so, and this is this is the space that we're creating, like scholars and the future, you know, researchers and professors of the, uh, you know. And then this is what they people put up with, right? As like a rite of passage, and it's terrible. It <laughs> like, why it doesn't have to be like this? Everyone knows that, right? <laughs> like, it, it yeah. can, right. It could be so much it could better. Be so much better. Yeah. And- yeah. And, you know, I, I didn't realize, you know, cause that person, you know, they were not my mentor. So, sure. you know, I didn't realize how, I mean, I didn't feel like it was lucky. It, I, I just felt mm. like that's the way it should be. But like, yeah, like that, yeah. my mentor and the, and the research space that I was in, it was supportive. I was, you know, I was a project coordinator. I had a lot of responsibility, but mm. I had a lot of support if I had questions. You know, I mean, it was really a perfect relationship. Yeah. And I go on Twitter, I go on social media and, you know, or even like that PhD comics website. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, I, I love don't, that. I, I mean, I laugh at a lot of them, but I'm like, uh-huh. I don't relate. Like that was not, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was not my mentor at all. I mean, she, yeah. you know, she was there. She read my draft. She yep, responded within too. a mm-hmm. week and she tore mm-hmm. it up to make it better. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. felt mm-hmm. so invested in, mm. and that's just a good feeling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and that's interesting. And that other person kind of was the contrast of that, very, but, you know, kicked you in high gear to find what you really needed. Yeah. So that's a, a great way of looking at it too. Yeah. So, so yeah, bad experiences, but also tons mm. of amazing experiences, which is why I was still kind of in the space of like, I'm torn. I don't, mm. I, you know, I, I love this space that my mentor created and I want that. Mm. I want that mm-hmm. for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. But then I taught my first undergraduate course Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it was community psychology. It was Mm -hmm. my degree, my field, the field that I loved and I hated it. Oh no. (laughs) It's a strong word. And I hated it. Uh Oh, every single second was torture. Mm. I was miserable. Mm. I barely made it through to the end Mm -hmm. of that semester. 
which I was really shocked about because, yeah. like I said, I loved training and mentoring undergrad research assistants. And I was even a TA and that class was fine. I didn't, you know, uh, I didn't mind that. And I was a, I was a pretty, you know, I like I graded and I actually helped students and that kind of thing. So I didn't think I was going to hate it this much. Mm. And I, I realized that. And I mean, we could do a whole podcast episode about that class. So I'm not, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not sure. going to go into all that detail. But basically, I realized I hate what I hated about it was teaching people who didn't want to learn the material. Mm, yes, which is a whole. Yep, yep, yep. And, you know, Michigan State is an R1, you know, university. Mm-hmm. It's a like public land grant university. So, um, you know, classes were big. But you know what? Yep. No, my class wasn't even that big. I actually had a small class, but it was just, I, you know, so I don't know what it was. I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's actually that the fact that it's like a R1 land grant university, that that's probably sure. not why it really was just students didn't want to learn the mm-hmm. material because mm-hmm. they weren't invested in it. You know, that it was, yeah. it was, um, God, I forgot the word, but it was, I think it, I think it might've even been a required course. Sure. Probably. I don't know. I don't remember, but, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was just really, really hard to teach students who didn't want to learn, but yeah, so it was so bad. My, okay. So my first teaching experience was so bad that I decided I am not going to stay in academia when I graduate. Mm. That's how bad it was. I realized that I will not be able to continue teaching in a university setting. Yeah. So this was right after my comprehensive exams. I hadn't even started my dissertation yet. So I Mm -hmm. went to my mentor and I was like, well, this is out. Uh, What do I do now? And luckily, community psychology is already a field that's pretty applied. I mean, everything we do is about community work. It's community-based participatory research. It's finding a community, having them identify the research questions. You help them answer it. So evaluation was a really good choice. And Mm -hmm. we focused the rest of my time on that. I mean, she was totally supportive. She, you know, she does evaluation. And so she said, let me get you there. Let me help you. And I wrapped up my dissertation. I didn't do original data collection. I was already a coordinator for a project anyway. And, you know, I was kind of high level. Like they let me be involved in the design and everything. So I picked a piece of that data and that was my dissertation. Nice. So, yeah, I, I it went pretty quickly. I wrapped up, moved back home to Chicago yep. and decided to start my own consulting business. Ah. I wanted to do evaluation projects, but I really wanted to specialize in the dissemination phase. So this is where I connect back to how I said I was equally interested in computers and mm. graphic design. And I always had one foot in that world. Yeah. So during this whole time in graduate school um, and in undergrad, I was losing my mind with how boring and terrible slide presentations were. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) I mean, really, it's just really the the bullet points, the text, reading their presentations to me. Terrible. It was terrible. I felt like it was just a waste of time when they did that. 
And, you know, I made a personal commitment that I wouldn't do that. So in, in my own personal, like when I would do a presentation, I did everything I could to make it really fun, to make it really interesting, to tell a story, to do all those things. And all through that time, you know, I had students like undergrad students that I was training or even other grad students, they would come up to me and be like, oh my God, how did you do that? Mm. (laughs) Your presentations are so good. And like, I even had some who were like, oh, please, can you train the faculty on how to to teach their class? (laughs) Because you're amazing. And I want, like, I wish everyone was like you. Like, great compliments. And which really means a lot to me because I actually struggled mm. with a fear of public speaking. So I was just going to say this like really connects to even what we were talking about. Like you hated teaching, but people were telling you <laughs> how good you were at presenting information. Just want to reflect that back to you. Right? No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. That's why. But, that's but having to run a classroom, the classroom management yeah. shit, the grading, like so yeah. how cool that you can kind of capitalize yeah. on something that you were really good at. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, I don't mind sharing. I love sharing information. I love teaching. I just like teaching at a university. Mm -hmm. That's a big deal. And that becomes relevant later. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so, uh, so yeah, I, I, you know, I had been doing that and been practicing and teaching myself how to actually create really engaging presentations. And And other stuff, like written kind of stuff, like good reports, well-designed reports, infographics. So just in general, really effective research communication, well-designed kind of stuff. So yeah, here I am, got my PhD, I'm going to start a consulting business, and it'll include evaluation projects, but also I really want to specialize in helping researchers get their social justice work out there. But then this thing happened where I needed money. Mm, uh-oh, here it is. Right. <laughs> it's money. been a theme of my recordings this yes. week. Uh, the academic in pursuit of cash. Yeah. It was kind yeah. of, yeah, like this, this, you know, rent was coming up. And mm. it had been about five months or so. And, you know, I was a nobody. I didn't have a big reputation in this. So I had no client prospects. So I had to apply mm-hmm. for some jobs. Can I can I stop you for of a second? Of course, yeah. Where where were you like so you kind of brushed over this idea. Oh, you got yeah. the PhD, yeah. you um knew you wanted to start consulting. Where did you turn to like literally start a business? Cuz did you feel that your mentor had some ability to support you and could point you in the right direction cuz um yeah, I'm kind of curious yeah where you learned that and decided like, okay, I, you know, we, we heard that you didn't want to teach. Yeah. And so you went on that path. So were you seeking help or, or mentorship in that space? Because a lot of academics feel really unprepared in having a business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I was lucky because I was able to manage our family business in undergrad and I did that uh, for five years uh-huh. and you know, it was a, I learned a lot from that yeah. experience and you know I'm 18 years old <laughs> like wow. you know it's and it's and I do you know it is a family business but it wasn't like I just sat there and played solitaire all day you know cuz sure. cuz yeah. oh, it was my parents you know I mean I I did I did stuff I I managed mm-hmm. I managed the the office side like all the administrative side and policies and that kind of thing 
Got it. Um, and it was a small business, you know, it's just a, it was just a, a small place. So, you know, I knew what a hustle was. I knew how to hustle. Mm-hmm. I knew, mm-hmm. I knew how to do that. So I kind of felt like I had that, even though that was a, that's, that's more of a service product industry. It's a violin shop. My, yeah. my, oh, cool. my dad makes violins and repairs them and stuff. So it, it, it was different. You know, I sure. wanted to do consulting services, but I still kind of knew some stuff. And yeah, like profit, profit and loss statements and like managing. Yes. Like that's all stuff that I'm like, what is, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like people are giving me money. I'm supposed to like do <laughs> something with it. Like, so, okay. Yeah. So that is helpful to like to yeah. understand that background. Yeah. Yes. That was so valuable in, in mm-hmm. that. And my mentor did, uh, she got me a couple side gigs because cool. she, she does evaluation. So she was able to get me sort of my first, um, the first couple, first couple projects. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. But then nothing else was coming up. And okay. So yeah. So now we're back yeah. to your, you need, you need money. Yes. You know, you're out there doing the thing. Yep. So I apply yep. and I get basically what I thought was my dream job. It was mm. a nonprofit evaluation center, a research associate position, no teaching, but I could do research and evaluation. And it was, you know, high level research associate. So I'd be managing my own projects. And it was in Denver, Colorado, where I wanted to ah, live. So cool. Um, yeah. So once again, thrilled, excited. It paid really well. Uh, mm. I had great benefits. You know, I felt like an adult with a capital A. Mm, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have a retirement plan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Once again, I had no idea that in about a year, I was actually going to be miserable all over again. Mm-hmm. Ups mm-hmm. and downs. So yeah, it started off really well. But then I started struggling because... Oh, I'm not really sure how to phrase this, but a lot of projects, it felt like I was just checking off boxes for people mm-hmm. that I, I wasn't doing projects that were going to matter that, uh, yeah, it was just set up that way in the beginning where mm-hmm. some people had extra money, they had to spend it or they were going to lose it. So they would say, well, why don't we do an evaluation? And, but then they had no no interest in actually mm. reading the report. Um, and that happened with not every project, but enough of them mm. where I'm just, you know, I started this whole, this whole path because I cared about social justice and yep. I, you know, I wanted to a- attack social inequities and I'm not doing that in this, in this type of, this type of area, this, this place. Mm-hmm. And also just, I don't know, I I just struggled a lot. Like, I really was just not happy there. Um, I started to wonder if that faculty who said I was never going to be good at anything, like, maybe she was right. Uh, (laughs) Because I was, I don't know, like, everyone else seemed to be fine with this. And I just, Mm. I was like, am I... You know, what's wrong with me? Something wrong with me. Yeah. What is wrong with me? And then it ended up being a really toxic workplace. Mm. Um, So I, you know, I went there because like in my application and everything, I'm like, I'm really good at creative research communication. Like I can help. 
help us create materials that people will notice and we'll get our information read and everything. And they hired me saying that they wanted that, but then Mm. that wasn't the case. And I was just critiqued for wanting to create sort of effective presentations. It, It was just like every day was a battle. Yeah. So I started to, so here's now a more recent life. I, about a year ago, I created a blog and Mm. resources to teach other people how to create effective slide-based presentations. Mm. You know, it's been my passion and I wasn't able to apply that in my job. So I spent every weekend most of my evenings creating, you know, PDFs and toolkits and online courses just so that I could actually be doing what I was passionate about doing. Mm. And I loved it. (laughs) Mm. I absolutely loved it. I mean, I had a couple projects, um, the projects related to domestic violence that I was able to work on for my job. I loved those. Those kept me going. I loved my clients. They were so great. They cared about the results. They cared about what we were doing. So I had that. That was maybe like 30% of my job. Mm -hmm. And then I had my, my side blog, my side website. Side blog. Got it. So that's kind of how I was like literally able to survive <laughs> and to maintain some level of happiness um, mm-hmm. because the other pieces were just not okay. And then I, you know, then that's what turned into my business that I have now. Uh, I created an online course, like a professional mm. development advanced course to help people ah. storyboard and design and deliver awesome presentations. Like Love it. not just well-designed kind of presentations, but the kind of presentations where people in the audience are done sitting there like, whoa, what just happened? Mm-hmm, <laughs> I just learned. Mm-hmm. I just paid attention the whole time. Mm-hmm, you know, I don't mm-hmm. do that anymore. Like that kind of presentation. Love it. I do too. <laughs> <laughs> and it made me so happy. Like we, mm. I did a pre-sell for my for the for you know for for the course I did a pre-sale mm-hmm. and um which I mean you've talked about this in some of the other podcasts but basically that you know that means it wasn't done um yeah so I did that got enough students and I pulled in my partner and together we had to create 70 videos in seven weeks there you go <laughs> <laughs> that'll do it yeah, that was that was a hard summer. <laughs> we pretty much spent mm-hmm, all our time mm-hmm. indoors, but it was worth it. And I had not been that happy in a long time. Mm. I, the last time I was that happy was when I was a grad student training undergrads on how to do research. Ah, interesting. So I realized, again, I don't hate teaching. I love teaching. Mm. Yep, yep. But I have to set some rules, I think. that yep. That's what it is. I... I created it. It's self-paced. It's online. It's recorded. They can do it whenever they want at the pace they want. There's no grades, Mm, you know, there's no grades. They they could just learn it because they want to learn it and they're passionate Mm. about it. Mm -hmm. And my Mm -hmm. students are just the best students I've ever had. I mean, I just, they are just, and you know, and that's why, because they they care about it. They're doing this because they want to. So they're invested and they're just a pleasure to talk to. I love helping them. Mm. It's just like it, it just makes me happy. So, oh, that's so good. It, so there's the happy ending. Good to hear. I did. Yeah, that is good. I did quit Dun my job. 
Cool. Okay. Yeah. Tell us about that. So, so then what were some of the decisions you were making at that time? Because you, so you're obviously in a position that you don't enjoy and you're trying to what bring in the income that will make that leave possible. So right. This interview is happening at an interesting time. I quit my job a month ago. Oh my gosh. Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Yes. I, I got two cohorts into my online course. Perfect. And I met my goals. They're small goals, you know, yeah. just just small. But I met my goals both times. So to me, that yep. said, okay, this this could actually work. Yep. Um, and, and what would happen if you could put all your energy exactly. into it? It's like, yeah, I felt the same yes. way. Very cool. Exa- that's exactly what it is. You know, people were mm-hmm. wanting me. You're at like a turning point. You're like, either I devote everything yeah. to this. And, and, and so I like, um, you know, I just want to highlight that because I think yeah. it's a... Uh, well, and I'm kind of an under-preparer, kind of like jump, like burn the bridge kind of Me person. Too. <laughs> and obviously some, some people may not be. So, but yeah. um, for me, it was like, can I match my salary? Can I match that kind of thing? And then look around and say, okay, cool. What can I sell? You know, money is all around me. Yeah. How can I make this work now versus trying to quote unquote save money, which I think is also a smart move too. There was, yeah. there was other ways I could have done it, but I just, I like, um, sharing that side mm-hmm. of the thought process just so people can, you know, do what's right for them, but recognize that they don't have to have everything perfect um, either. Yeah, I definitely did to not. Leap, yeah. I did not have everything perfect. I yeah. I wasn't planning on quitting when I did. Um, mm-hmm. I did want to mm-hmm. wait. I did want to finish up some projects. But the the toxic environment piece, I just couldn't, mm-hmm. I, I could not take it another day. Yeah. And yeah. so I quit and I, I have some savings. Nice. And, but, you know, savings are going to run out. And mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. I am, I mean, it's game time. It's game time. <laughs> and yeah, warning to listeners like, I don't, yeah. like, this is a huge risk I took. Huge risk. Yes, it is. Yep. I, you know, we'll see where it goes. But both my, my partner and I, it was just sort of, yeah, at this point where, well, I can't work there anymore anyway. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm seeing promising things happen with mm-hmm. running this just, you know, on evenings and weekends. What can I do mm-hmm. if it's full time? Mm-hmm. And if it fails, then it fails and we'll yep. move on. But, you know, I'm the degree doesn't disappear. Doesn't this is what my husband and I were thinking. Like, yeah. do we still have our doctorates. We can still go back to teaching, which we yeah. enjoyed. But um, but yeah, I mean, it gets us kind of far as well in society like that doesn't disappear. Right. And so, yeah, we I think being a part of a a job market or an institution. Yeah. I mean, I guess a leave of absence for a length of time, people would be like, what were you doing? And it's like, Oh, I was out in the world trying to start a business. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, okay, cool. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we could still hire you. Um, but yeah, so I think, um, you know, we do, we do have that, that some other people in like maybe a typical nine to five feel a little more anxious about, you know, um, exiting a job market or, yeah. so, or a job, um, but yeah, so that's, I felt very similar. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is, a, it is a hard decision and it's one that I had it's been still scary. It's yeah, terrifying. Sure. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And I'm trying to not, you know, stay awake every night worrying about money. Mm. And yeah, that's, I succeed some I can nights. feel you on that. Mm-hmm. Totally fail mm-hmm. on others, but mm-hmm. you know, I, yeah, I have, I have the, the, you know, the, the emotional support of a lot of people and mm-hmm. encouragement and, 
and I, I had to give it a try. I mean, that's really yeah. no other way to put it. Like I, I had to see if I can make something of this and if not, oh, well. Yeah, I love it. So if you could share a little bit about where, where did you get, so you had a blog, so you're like, yeah. okay, this internet thing, right? You're <laughs> a typical millennial, whatever. And you're like, okay, cool. Um, I can sell a course. Where did you turn to learn that? Yeah. Or what other um, spaces were you exploring as far as like realizing that that was even an option? Because for me, mm-hmm. I was like, whoa, that, and I don't like, I have this weird, interesting journey into it, but everyone does. So I'd love to hear how you kind of found this space, like people making money online with digital products and coaching and all of that. Yeah. No, happy to. Yeah. Back when I first graduated, I, the only model I had in my mind was service. I would design Mm. reports for people. I would do their data visualizations. I would design their presentations. And, but then, you know, that didn't work and I got a job. So when I decided (laughs) to sort of go back into okay, let's go back to this business idea that my own business Uh idea, I was just Googling. Like I really was just Mm, like, I don't know what to do. And I was just downloading a bunch of freebies online, you Mm -hmm. know, putting my email Mm -hmm. address and whatever email address bar I could find getting all sorts of stuff. And I, I stumbled across probably critiquing some of the stuff you're downloading maybe, maybe. <laughs> from the presentation perspective. I'm just oh, kidding. God. Just throw that in there. The webinars were I just was doing the, worst. the same thing. The <laughs> yeah. webinars, oh. like as a teacher, like part of me is like, Oh, Oh, but, but I also was like, Oh, these people need me yeah. really bad. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, yes. They do need my presentation services as well. I must say. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so so you were downloading freebies, <laughs> and actually, I did. Um, there is a woman out there. Her name is Regina. Uh, oh, I love her! Listen, she, she is amazing. By Regina, by yeah, Regina, she's amazing. She changed my she, life. Her dad is a is a professor. Oh, actually. cool! Yeah, oh, cool. yeah. So she has a, a, a. Her and I have had some great conversations. So she's amazing. Great, yes. <laughs> she, and yeah. she changed my life because mm. I watched an awesome workshop that she had where she mm-hmm. talked about how service the service industry is great. You know, there's nothing yeah. wrong with one on one help, even group help. But you can't scale it. You can ultimately no, help. Yeah. Yep. Exa- yeah. I mean, you're, yep. you're a fan, so you've probably seen this or heard her say this. But, you know, yeah, she just convinced me with you will ultimately not be able to help as many people mm-hmm. if you just do service. And mm-hmm. so think about an ebook, an online course. And she sort of had yep. this great list of alternative models. The options yeah. to teach. Yeah. yeah. I think. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So. Once she opened my eyes to... Got it. And that might have been in tandem with taking another course, potentially, or following some other folks in line, like, or in line online. That was actually before. So One of the first. Oh, so then you're like, this course world is a thing. Yes. Got it. Okay. And then, yeah. And then I found the person I ultimately took the course with. Cool. Um, So I did, yeah, once once my mindset changed, I did pursue training. And... um, so I did sort of, that was sort of my first investment into my business. Mm-hmm. And I started an email Which list. is a big deal. It is a big deal. Like a, and and I, I like sharing this too as um, what's 
uh, and some of the investments we'll make will be like, ah, uh, like maybe that didn't help in, in the X result that I thought I was going to get. There's, you know, there's some courses out there that, you know, promise one thing and deliver another. But what I love about even how you're framing it, you're like, sometimes it's just a mindset flip that it's worth. Sometimes it's just the ability to take action and believe in myself yes. sometimes. And so that's how I've seen this like entrepreneurial journey is we have to really, yes, we can consume stuff, but we also have to take action and then, and then correct and keep going and do the next thing. And so, um, I love sharing like where we decide to make investments. The first mm-hmm. course you purchase, like, I remember just being like, this is $2,000. Mm-hmm. I used to get that, like, and I would always rate it back to my adjunct self, <laughs> which wasn't on a salary, but it would be like one course was like just a little over 3k over here in the United or in the, in California, right? So that's my marker. And I'm like, an entire class yeah. I could teach for 16 weeks and be that invested in students. Or I could make a course and sell it to someone, or I mm-hmm. could help them do this. And it, that just really started to blow my mind. As if we're, you know, as we're talking about money and you know, investing and putting money into our business, you know, it can be really eye opening for someone in the not like you in the nonprofit space, but also in the academic world of like teaching where we're exchanging for a salary in a space that everyone expects over delivery, um, you know, expects you to just like care about your students, Mm -hmm. expects you to, you know, bend over backwards for the institution with no extra pay. And so this, this is a big, you know, making that first person purchase is a, is a big deal, super big deal. So thank you for like also reminding me of that because, (laughs) you know, we're all going to have to make that first purchase. Yeah. And, and it was, I mean, it was, it was definitely a big deal, but it was, it made it, it made my business real. Uh, Yes. That's huge. Yeah. That's huge. So yeah. And it helps you take the next step. And so, you know, as you're, um, you know, out there thinking about investing in certain things, um, you know, uh, that part of, I think this was another mindset thing that I had to do. Like, um, you know, part of me up leveling in my business and bringing in more money involved me having a little more money going out in a different way than I ever thought mm-hmm. to. Um, but it is something that, m- by the way, like I'm still exploring money <laughs> yeah. and cash flow yeah. and, you know, taxes is all some, all this whole other world that we really, you know, as academics have not been prepared for. So your background in like seeing how a business is run um, as a family member even probably gave you some insight because my yeah. family didn't totally have that. My dad actually worked for himself. My dad actually is a business owner and a CEO, but also in a very like hands-on labor, like um, he installs kitchens, like very high-end kitchens um, all over LA. But he never had like the business acumen and he still doesn't, but he never hired anyone to help him. Um, It's always been like exertion and, Uh you know, what I put in physically is what comes out. right. Right. And he hadn't really thought about how do I grow this business? How do I like, you know, all these different things. So business for me was always something that uh, what I watched of my father was hard work 
exhaustion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people out to screw yep. you in different ways. <laughs> and so I, I'm like trying to even unlearn that, that like I could be a good business owner, that I can make money and it not be up and down. So we all have our own little money stuff we have to deal mm-hmm. with. Um, but it is a part of running a business is making those investments yep. and um, seeing the value in getting something somewhat quickly, like paying for getting to the next level fast. And that's why people are buying your course, right? In presentations. Yeah, that's exactly... Up-leveling their presentation. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's... You know, I taught myself how to do all this stuff and it took 10 years. So... <laughs> right? Your, your entire background is culminating right. in this offer. Right. Yeah. So, you know, if you don't want to take 10 years to... Um, do awesome presentations, then training is usually <laughs> your only other option. Um, totally. I mean, I can even just reflect back to you too. Um, being in someone who does courses, I get this question a lot around how to set up a presentation. Oh, yeah. I People ask me a lot. So like now that I know that this is what you do and um, all of that, I can totally recommend you if you're building presentations yeah. for people. I get asked that question a lot. There's... Um, you know, people want to look good online. They know that it does have an impact. I think this market is maturing that webinars are needing to up their game. Mm. You can't just like, you know, like throw it together, cobble it together. It it actually needs to look good and be thought out as as a journey you're taking the watchers on. So, um, you're, you're definitely in a market that, um, needs what you're offering. I mean, it's hard because, you know, if you're creating an online course to help academics write more publications, You don't have to do any work to justify that. Everybody knows Mm. publications are good and, you know, that that publications are helpful, you know, and that kind of thing. But a lot of people don't really see value in a good presentation. Mm. So a lot of the work, a lot of the content I create is trying to, you know, make that case. Awareness. Yeah. You know, why why it even matters to do this. And I mean, yeah, like webinars, webinars are the worst. Webinars are just 99.9% of them are terrible. I, I don't last 10 minutes. I minimize it and then don't listen. And, (laughs) you know, I'm still kind of like on a, you know, a high yesterday because I just did a webinar, a training webinar. And like someone actually said that it was the best webinar they've seen in a while or maybe even their entire life (laughs) what (laughs) right that's awesome and I had I had almost 100% retention all the way to the end right you need to be promoting this like because people will hire people for webinars left right and center if you can prove if you can prove retention rates and conversion Uh uh-oh yeah look out like I saw Mm -hmm. that number of how many people were there live and once I was about three minutes in that number didn't change (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, that's what I'm trying. Like, and I want other people to experience that because, you know, Mm. again, I'm a community psychologist. I totally get it. But I think a lot of the joy of presenting and teaching is just evaporating. And, Mm. you know, it's an ad. There's so many people being hired as adjuncts and there's not job security and people are overworked. So I totally, totally understand the systemic reasons for this, you know, and I do acknowledge that my course is an individual level kind of intervention. (laughs) But, you know, I, I am still trying to do my part because I love teaching now. And yeah. I, oh, I love it. I love like it. I, I am never that 
like I'm just the ha- I'm the happiest I can be when I'm creating mm. educational material for my students. Mm. And I love getting up there and presenting it. And I have fun and I laugh and I make other people laugh. I throw in funny jokes, you know, or weird jokes. I'm not like funny or clever. I'm just kind of weird, (laughs) but it works. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, people feel things when they go through my presentation and that's on purpose. Mm. I'm not, I don't have magic powers. This is... 10 years of hard work that got me to this point. Mm-hmm. This is, mm-hmm. I started throwing up before a presentation because I was so scared. This is mm. not a natural public speaking ability. I didn't do Toastmasters. Mm-mm. I can't do improv. Mm-hmm. That's why I was nervous about this podcast because it's basically ah. improv and I'm not good at improv. <laughs> you were doing fantastic. <laughs> you need to change that story, girl. <laughs> oh, it took, it took a long yeah. time to get here, but you know. Yeah. I love that. I love that on, the honesty around that too. Like, and there's, and that's going to be so like a driving magnetic force for you. Um, because I think I've actually mentioned, cause I've been talking a lot more about teaching and less about like, how do you design the perfect course? Yeah. And I'm like, literally, how do you just show up for your yeah. people? Like, <laughs> how do you just support them in their journey to learn something from you? Like, that's really what it boils down to. But I bring that up because I have been mentioning the last couple of times, people hide behind their slides too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, from what I'm even gathering, just like connecting with you now, um, that you can connect with people on an audio based level where we're not, yeah, we're not like seeing our awkwardness of like reading notes or whatever, but sometimes people do hide behind slides too. And it sounds like you like are even bringing up this idea of like, you can be fully, you yes. create this amazing presentation. So you feel confident yes. to show up, right? as you um and people pick up on that as they're listening to a webinar right yes so i think you sharing the fear of public speaking and like not you know an improv is actually going to help um a lot of people in the online space who um you know for me i I, it's like a second nature thing is talking with people connecting Mm -hmm. and teaching because i that's what i loved about my old past you know job um and so sometimes people look at me like, oh, well, of course you could do it. Mm-hmm. And so I just want, I want, right. I think everyone can be yep. a teacher. Yep. Like, I really believe that. And I'm sure you believe that everyone can yep. create a great presentation. Yes. Um, they just need the right skills yes. and support system in place. Yeah, exactly. So that's awesome. Exactly. Well put. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, I'd love to hear like what your dream vision is for your business. Like where, since it's in the early stages of like your full time, what do you, what do you want to be doing in this space? Like, what does that look like? like for you? Yeah. I mean, I really, I I want my course to, to take off. I mean, I really want a lot of Mm. people taking my course, Mm -hmm. um, so that I can take on some small projects and pace Ah. them out and give people a lot of individual attention. Would that mean be one-on-one work around presentations and stuff like that? Is that what you're imagining? And I don't, what I don't want to do, I don't design presentations for people. I won't Mm -hmm. get in there and change your presentation and add the visuals and do all that kind of stuff because like you were just saying, which was just so perfect, your presentation, it's you. You're the one up there, not me. Mm -hmm. You're Mm -hmm. the one who's going to do the pacing. You're the one who's going to tell the stories. You're the one who's going to do all of that. So you have to create your own presentation. Yep. So big. But I love to mentor. 
I absolutely mm. love it. Mm. I could see you doing like big, like, oh. you know, VIP days or intensives yes. where someone spends the weekend yes. with you and you pull out their presentation, yeah. but you're not doing it exactly for them, like a consulting on that level. Exactly. Yeah, I, cool. You know, I'll show them yep. all the tech that they need to do yep. it. I'll be with there. I'll sit there with them. I'll look at it afterwards. Yep. I'll, I'll watch it. I'll listen to them. But in terms of mm-hmm. actually creating it, that has to be Doing done. It, they need it to has do to be it. done by the mm-hmm. presenter. And mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. I have this, um, I have this idea. I have a good friend who's, who's in the group. Her name is Lisa Monroe. Oh yeah. She's, I just interviewed her. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So her podcast uh, might be preceding yours. That's so funny. <laughs> okay. Well, thumbs up that Lisa's amazing. Of course. And she just did, which hopefully she talked about, she just did this awesome online retreat. She did. Good. She couldn't stop raving about Good. it. It's so exciting. Everyone needs yeah. to sign up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, but I, so one of my courses is called Stellar because I have like two courses. One is the big advanced professional development for people who really want, you know, really to go all out. Who's the ideal client for that? Who's kind of your avatar right now for that? Yeah, I mean, really, my the groups I I go for are uh, women researchers, scientists, academics, Or yeah. evaluators. There's like four groups, but really it's just anyone who wants. It can be anyone. Can. Yeah. I think I it can really see it can. going broader for sure. It, you know, it's, it's just people who want, it's more about their internal mindset. I think it's people mm. who want to re- where it really matters to them. If people yeah. actually hear them and actually mm. use their information, Mm-hmm. Where so the focus on women makes great yeah for sure right. it's it's women you know yeah. I have women in mind when I make everything I have social justice in mind mm-hmm. so it's people who you know they they stay up at night because they they want to improve social justice and mm-hmm. their work can help do that if people would just listen to them if people would listen and amazing. use it yeah and they want yeah. to do everything in their power to make that actually happen you're not in control of other people. Mm-hmm. But, but the people in and it's called blast off to stellar slides so the cool the people in boss are the type of people who are like i'm going to do everything i can to make my audience enjoy my presentations because i want them to use this information mm. so yeah some for that for some people it's they're teaching a class at a university and it's their students for some it's a scientist and they want to get other scientists on board because they're mm-hmm. trying to do cross-disciplinary work and you know for others it's evaluators and they want their evaluation findings to actually change organizational mm. practice yep. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> you know so it really is just all of those it's Cool. It's more of it's not for business. It's not for it. pitch decks. It, it, yeah. You know, if you're Goldman Sachs, like don't come to my course. Like you, you're not you're not welcome. <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> yeah. But awesome. So yeah. So you were sharing about oh. what you and Lisa are up to. Sorry, I took us on no, a little bit of a tangent. That's totally but I fine. think it's it's good to also show like who your people are that you're yeah. serving and potentially how you want to expand or or you know go deeper. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, and I do think it's good to mention that because those are the people who are, you know, they're willing to spend the time to do this, that, you know, the like 15 hours it takes to complete the course and and all that kind of stuff. But then there are people who are like, look, I just want good looking slides. Like, this is not my life. This is not my passion, Mm. but I still want a good reputation. I still, I still want good slides. And that's called Stellar Slides by Sunday. 
Ah, and it's like a thank you (laughs) took me a long time to come up with that that's good (laughs) but yeah so that's like you could be finished in one to three hours kind of thing perfect it's meant Mm -hmm. to be a weekend bench course and that's when lisa when you know she just did her online retreat i was like what if that would work for presentation design Mm, like an online workshop kind of yeah yeah because it would definitely work I'm I'm so I think that's kind of the next thing I'm going to do maybe by the time the podcast comes out I launch it but I'm thinking like it would just be so cool that like once a month or something I have this big event we all get together on a Saturday or whatever day and people take their you know ineffective outdated slide deck and by the time that day is over their slide deck looks really nice that would be awesome that's a great idea you know yeah i i think because it's 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 related to lisa's like idea of procrastination and like and just moving through and doing it in community yes yeah exactly so i'm giving you know all the credit to lisa for you know Mm. helping me like make make those connections because yeah i mean I, I think that is a, a big hurdle, the procrastination and people putting it off. And how many people have, you know, created their conference slide decks on the plane to the conference? I was just going <laughs> to say the morning of as yeah. they were doing it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, you know, so if I can help, you know, maybe it's the Saturday before the conference, at least. Mm-hmm. And but <laughs> <laughs> There's a little bit of prep. Involved. A little bit, yeah, you know, so then, you're so right. so then on the plane, they can read it and practice. <laughs> yeah. and not go over time and you know <laughs> and all, so good and all that kind of stuff I've, I have no idea what you're talking about I've never done that <laughs> totally unrelatable <laughs> I literally was just on a presentation where they asked for my slides like two days before so I I just did a master class for Thinkific and Thinkific's a learning platform that a lot of people sell courses oh, on yeah, yeah. and so they had me come on as like a guest expert and they're like nice. oh Lindsay when are you sending your slides and this is like two like literally two days before and I was like oh shit, I have to do slides like I guess the person before me did slides so then like the day before I was like yeah I'll send the slides by the end of the day this is the day before and then I was like fuck it I'm just gonna do my chalkboard which is like so nice. on brand so basically because I was working on the top the morning of anyway that's, that's kind of how I roll that's but, funny um, <laughs> yeah I no it. I I hear that pain point for sure yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah I think I think cool. that's maybe next you know I'll, I'll always have my online courses um hopefully I mean I, I love those and my and the per the bigger one boss has you can choose mentoring components and we have a community oh, cool. I, so there's like upsells and stuff yeah, yeah. and I, I love that I mean awesome. that's been really fun too so yeah I think just I, I like to have eggs in multiple baskets so I think I'll always try to do different things different styles to help people wherever they're at like if they need me to sit them down and we have to get it all done on a Saturday then that's where my that can be an option yeah Yeah, that's for sure I think one thing I learned early on in business around like setting up packages and consulting too was to have a couple options that fit different styles yeah right so some people want to go a little bit slower and so maybe it's a monthly installment but then other people are just like Mm -hmm. dude I just need to bang it out Mm -hmm. in a weekend and I need your like laser focused support and you know that's a higher price point because of the energy that that takes but um and then there's the slow the small bite of like oh you know maybe it's just a course and you can do it yourself 
yourself and I've already thought out the framework. Yeah. And so you have those like levels. Yeah. Um, because yeah, different people and based on, you know, what they're potentially looking for when they're hiring you, uh, will have different ways of completing that work. Exactly. And so, yeah, I think, um, always being flexible in that way to accommodate people, but then also recognize where your boundaries are. Yeah. That's also something I learned in like doing service as a, um, an offer. Cause I, I did take the service route initially and I helped people create courses, but I didn't create my own course mm -hmm. for like the long time. <laughs> I was like, I'm the course creator without the course. Um, <laughs> but now I'm, I'm currently like actually in the middle of my beta round of my course oh. on betas. And, um, yeah, so it's been kind of cool, but like I'm going in that way. And that's a very popular way to start a business is to go in the, how can I serve people on a one-on-one -on -one level? Right small group level and then create the course. But what I think is great about uh, academics is, is actually, I really believe that all of them could probably create a course on something that um, they know really well. And so oh, you yeah. have to serve people first yeah. um, to learn their frameworks or how they do things. So um, you definitely represent that for sure. I, yeah, I'm a huge, just for anyone who is doubting, uh, it was a lot of work to get it set up, mm -hmm. you know, 70 sure. videos, 70 weeks. That was, that was definitely intense, but I love it. I mean, mm -hmm. having an online course, it's just the coolest thing. And then the next time you launch it, or it could be an evergreen and always open. Yep. I mean, it's just done. Yep. And then so, yeah, you could just totally. do other things, you, you know, like the boot camp. Yep. I'm just thinking of like, I can do mm -hmm. that and have an online course. So yep. I, an income stream. I strongly yeah. recommend doing an online course and I wish your course existed and <laughs> I know there's a lot of people saying that uh, I know yeah. yeah I mean I think having an academic create one is so mm. helpful because you know the one I took that wasn't the case and yeah luckily I had an academic background and I'm like yeah so you could figure it out yeah I'm like there's no <laughs> you framework knew it. You, knew it. you know like I don't no, know where yeah. I am in the process I don't yeah so you know that's I had to do that for my own course like you know, I, yeah. I make sure that there yeah. is that, but Be I, what I noticed, and this is what, what made me make the leap too. It's like all the courses out there were from marketers who had created a course as an income stream. So then that's what they taught. And I'm like, wait, yes. you guys have no idea how to actually create the course, which is pretty much the foundation. It was yeah. like, okay. And then you put slides together yeah. and then, and then, and then it was all about how to sell it, yeah. which is fine. Um, but the teaching part right. was completely and totally absent. It was yeah. not. And still is in most courses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So yeah cool so i would love to hear maybe some advice you could give for people as we kind of wrap up like you know you obviously have a lot of points here you could talk you could give advice around you know making that exit making that decision mm -hmm. um starting a blog but what is one thing that you wish you knew at the beginning of this process of starting an online business oh, yeah. um that you could share with people yeah um so I think what I wish I knew was to not rely on Twitter for my social media presence. Ooh, Ooh that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, because I already... Because of your market, right? Because well, Oh, because the reason is because Twitter just pulled the rug out from everyone. And for those of us like me who had a library of tweets that were just being randomly tweeted... Um, oh, you can't do that anymore can't. or whatever. That was really recent. Yes. Yep, you're right. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that was 
the number one way I was getting people to my website was by tweeting. You know, I tweeted a lot throughout the day, but with Twitter, Mm -hmm. no one notices Mm -hmm. because tweets go away after five minutes. So, um, and I would be able to tweet at two in the morning when I'm sleeping and reach because, you know, my business, it doesn't matter where you are. So now I can't do that anymore and less people are finding me. And so it's been really, I've been scrambling. I've been trying to get onto Instagram. Sure. But I wish I had from the beginning put more eggs in more baskets, I guess, to, mm, yeah, you know. That's a good, that's a really good, yeah. um, you know, really like practical response. And I would say too, like when I first jumped in, I need to get back into Twitter. So I'm like oh. the opposite. But, <laughs> I just but, tweeted you um, before this. <laughs> Oh, nice. Thank you. Um, yeah, I like don't go there as a social platform because I've been so invested in Facebook. Oh, nice. But look what's recently happened with Facebook, right? And so we're recognizing that we, yes, social media is amazing and awesome. And we can get a ton of clients and we can build entire businesses and empires on them. But at any given day yes. for, you know, like it could be gone yep. um, or the way you do it is gone. Yes. And um, so how do we move people to other platforms or to other things that we maybe own or have some more control over. And that I think is going to be a constant battle for us in the social kind of media digital world, because um, that's the cool part. That's why I believe every, almost anyone can start a business. It's Mm -hmm. like not like a better time because your clients are out there waiting to find you um, and they want your help. Um, So how do you get to them? You know, usually social media and it's free Mm -hmm. initially. And, um, but it's, you know, starting to get more expensive to run ads. So definitely a, a smart move to think about. I would also say too, like, you do need to learn how to master at least one yes. because I mm-hmm. felt overwhelmed. Like I wanted to be everywhere. Like I got <sighs> how being everywhere would be awesome, but then you can really bog yourself down. Right. Um, you know, that kind of thing. I could see Pinterest working really well for you as such a like visual, um, you know, visual slides and stuff. I feel like that might be a cool move too for you. It might be. I mean, and and I think yeah. that's, yeah, like that is why I did rely on Twitter because that was my favorite. I was good at it. You were good I at liked it. You were it. already there. Yeah. You had a following. I mean, that's, yeah, probably being in the space that you're in. Yeah. yeah so. And I think starting where you're good at is awesome. Yes. And then making sure you have diversified. Diversifying yeah. is huge. Yeah. So I guess yeah. a better way to phrase that is I wish I diversified sooner. I mm, there you I go. kind of, yeah. I was like, ah, Twitter's working, you know? Yep. And I didn't, I, I'm kind of, when I have a new blog post go out, it goes out on Pinterest and all those things. But um, yeah, so I'm not really sure. In- Instagram has been a lot of fun. That's visual mm-hmm. and I can do videos and that kind it's of thing. A, yeah, Instagram's really kind of the next place again, which is interesting because it was the space before. But now it's like really with Instagram stories, that's a huge, huge avenue that is just people are just starting to really yeah. tap into. Yeah, so yeah. that's been fun. And I and I think cool. more to your point about, you know, one day it can all be gone. So I guess a related piece of advice is that build an email list because mm-hmm. if all of the social media like if all the platforms go away and you have to pay for them or, you know, who knows with what's going to go on with losing net neutrality, like all that kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. Well, if you have an email list, you can still reach people directly. You will get into their inbox and Mm -hmm. email lists are not outdated. They are your most powerful tool when you are running a business. So also have an email list. Great advice. 
Cool. Echo, well, this has been fun. Uh, It's so exciting to learn about you and just watch you kind of shine and um, watch you grow your business. This has been really fun. So if people wanted to find you, you're hanging out on Twitter. Where else could they find you? Yeah. So I'm at Echo, Echo R on Twitter. Get it. Ha ha. I get it. And yeah, and my website, a lot of it's um, at Echo, Echo R. So that's what I am on Instagram. I think that's my Facebook page. And then my nice. my website is echorivera.com. And, you know, once you go there, I have like a start here page that directs you to my free uh, email courses and other other goodies Sweet. that I have. So that's like home base. Awesome. Well, it's been so fun. And yay, you nailed your first awesome. podcast. Interview. Thank you. <laughs> How does it feel? Well, you're a great host. So I felt very, oh, it was very fun and I felt very comfortable. So oh, thank good. you for making this fun. Thank you.